Here comes Milwaukee Forbes another three. Oh no! <laughs> this is the Random Scrooge Podcast. Welcome one, welcome all to the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. I have Alexander the Great for Trade SZN, Hot Take Harrison, and you already know I got my boy, the Thunder from Dan Under, George, and ladies and gentlemen. Woohoo! If you're wondering why we're starting the show a little different without the we cap, it's because just... It's funny how history and, and fate and, and, and fate of man just kind of plays its hand every now and again. We usually record a little earlier in the day at around five o'clock, but today we were like, you know what? Let, let's go a little later. Um, it just worked better for everyone's timing. And it just so happened right before we started recording, Dwayne Dedman decided to take matters into his own hands and say, you know what, guys, I'm cooked. This is it for me. I'm, I'm waving the white flag and he's gone. He th- for those that don't know, I don't know how you wouldn't know, 21 finally did something for us. He took Drake's words to heart, and he is gone. He threw a, a massage gun onto the floor after getting in a really heated discussion with uh, Coach Spo and Karan Butler, and finally, it, it, it's, it's over. It is over. Our pain and suffering, the negative minutes. I saw a tweet prior to tonight's game, Dwayne Denman was a negative 90. Those days are behind us. Let's go around the horn real quick. Tell me what you guys are feeling. Instant reactions. We don't have to worry about how they fill any spot of what that man's minutes were. We just want, I just want raw reaction right now. How are we feeling, Alex? Let's start with you. I'm not a religious man, but I might have to be after that performance by Dwayne Dedman. He has been an absolute embarrassment on the court, and he gets to the sideline and proves that he is an absolute embarrassment on the bench as well. You know, this feels like divine intervention in some way because Jimmy can scream at Spo and get away with it because he's Jimmy Butler, but Dwayne Dedman is not going to be able to uh, – get by on just that as well as uh, some of the embarrassment he has performed out on the court this year. So uh, this was a nationally televised game. I imagine he is going to get at least a one game suspension from the NBA for throwing an item onto the court. I would be surprised if he didn't. Um, And I would be very, very shocked if Spo does not admonish him in some way by not playing him going forward, at least, you know, for the next week or two at minimum. I think, like you said, divine intervention. Uh, Van Gundy was saying on the broadcast too, you can't do it at a time like this when your roster's depleted and you're on primetime television. No, no, no. I'm on the other side of that coin. You're heads. I'm tails, my friend. This is the perfect time to do it. All eyes are on us. And you lay the fattest, stinkiest shit imaginable. Tossed out onto the court. Just chucking it onto the court. It was... I'm just so happy right now. Harry, how are you feeling? So I thought Deadman's last moment uh, for the Heat was going to be when he was arguing after he got the rebound and they stole the ball and laid it back up. I thought that was going to be it. But, um, you know, Spo is a man who gives people, um, I think we're on chance number like 86 at this point, which is now what's going to happen to Deadman in his Heat career. They're going to 86 him out of here. Um, as we all know, he can be moved on Sunday, which um, is a national holiday for, for me and my family. We'll be celebrating probably with the barbecue. And um, so hopefully that's it for him. I, I would have to imagine that uh, throwing a hissy fit and yelling at Spo and throwing something on the court and getting suspended in a game like this is is the end of the line. Um, and I'm going to have nothing good to remember about this man. I, I can't think of one thing that I'll look back on lovingly. Um, This is probably his best moment for the heat in um, eight to 10 months. And we just have to hope that this is it. And he can fetch us back um, anything with two legs. I don't even know if I need the arms, just anyone with two legs and could possibly move on the court better than this guy because he's been trash. And it's a, for me, it's a trash exit for Dwayne Deadman and I, I hope he enjoys Siberia or wherever we decide to ship him. It's just extremely symbolic of his time here. 
It really is. I mean, I know when they signed him for the 10 games of the COVID season, he looked good. Beginning of every season, first 15 games or so, he looks like, you know what, maybe he can still play basketball. Not well, but maybe he can still play it. And then after that, it's just like it's flushing the turd down the toilet for another poop analogy. It's just it doesn't it doesn't get better. And George, just tell me tell me your raw emotions right now. How do you feel? Hallelujah. It's raining extra minutes for Orlando Robertson. Hallelujah. He is done. He is out of there. Three. The amount of rebounds he got in his last game. Three. The percentage chance he suits up for another NBA game in his entire career. And three, the amount of poor defensive rotations that got him kicked off the court. What a beautiful number. Three, thank you very much, Dwayne Wade. You're a beautiful man. He is garbage. That Deadman has been the bane of most of this uh, fan base's existence for the last 41-odd games. He's just he, He's been terrible. He's been absolutely a sublime... Shiny turd, that guy. I don't know. He, he's just not good. He can't play basketball. He can't move on the court. He can't do a whole bunch of stuff. And now he's not going to be able to suit up or join the locker room ever again. So, and it, to make it even better, the rare Pat Riley appearance was today. The rare Pat Riley appearance. That guy is like, I, I, I don't even know. It's like a, a hibernating bear because he just, comes out of his cave once every how many months and to come to this game where we're down to 10 men and he's probably saying you know what i'm gonna go watch a jimmy masterclass today uh, and before you know it Dwayne denman has chucked a theragun onto the floor onto the floor it's just you can't have scripted this better this is a quentin tarantino classic this is basically like titanic 2 it's just sinking sinking and now it's under the water so it's finished for Dwayne denman get off my team Let's move on. Absolutely incredible stuff from, from the panel, guys. It's just sometimes, you know, life just hands you something on a silver platter, and this is just one of those times because the ultimate dead weight of the team, as George names George's name would suggest, is uh, Dwayne Deadweight. It's phenomenal. And now we move on. We shift our focus to uh, the we cap, as we're now calling it. We just had to, you know, get our takes off at the beginning there because, again – it's it just it's it's so it's like a weight has been lifted off our chests. We no longer have to deal with the worst possible player on this roster that actually would get minutes. But now uh, looking back, the last three games, Miami's road trip as well. They played three games over the last week and went one and two, uh, with both losses being absolutely unacceptable for a team that you know they're telling us is contending. Uh, they lost to the Lakers without LeBron and AD, which was really really fun to watch. They let Dennis Schroeder hang t- thirty two on him. Absolutely phenomenal performance from Dennis Schroeder and uh, honestly could have seen it coming. Uh, if that wasn't bad enough, though, then they let Russell Westbrook also look like he can still play basketball with a, a cute little stat line, a 23-8-9. and nine. And then what's going to be a common theme in, uh, in later on in the episode is they got murdered on the glass, uh, letting Thomas Bryant score 21 with multiple offensive rebounds. Uh, no, <laughs> that's just not it. You can't do that. Uh, Miami won basically every single statistical category in that game and still lost the game, which is baffling, especially when you look at the players that Miami had playing compared to the players Los Angeles had. But exactly, I mean, they they, they didn't win against – I mean, they did win against the Reeling Suns team who has lost however many in a row now. They look like just a horrendous – what do you call it? Dumpster fire over there. Um so, uh, by the way, they held the Suns to – that Suns team couldn't even break 100 against Miami. So, I just wanted to throw a little jab in there. Suck it, Eddie Johnson. You blow. And then they played a pretty strong game against the hottest team in the NBA with the Brooklyn Nets, even though Kevin Durant did leave in that second half. Um, but they would have won that game if they would have done, again, one thing. Rebound. Had they rebounded, they would have won. But at this point in the season, you are what you are. This Heat team can't score or rebound consistently, especially in crunch time. So I know uh, why I'm a- I know I don't even know why I'm asking you guys this because I know the answer. But are you surprised by any of these outcomes, whether it be Los Angeles actually beating Phoenix in Phoenix or absolutely laying the egg against Brooklyn, even though they played considerably well, just couldn't close it out in the fourth quarter? Um, 
I'm a little surprised about the the Phoenix game, to be honest, because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they were up 22 that game. It might have been 18, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, and they almost nearly blew it to a team that didn't have Devin Booker, and Chris Paul played 12 minutes, I think. So, I mean, this is just one of those continuous examples of why are we constantly playing down to the competition where these teams either are just way worse teams on paper or they have guys out and we can't compete. You know, we, we talk about the Lakers game that was just before this one. Um, no LeBron, no AD. And we laid an egg, lost to that. Um, losing to guys like Thomas Bryant and Dennis Schroeder is disgusting at this point. Um, and and it's, it's a continued theme here. We don't have these types of games to give up. So for them to barely beat the Suns with all of those players out, it's it's concerning and it should be. And the Suns are also in the midst of a massive slide on their own. So, you know, it's it's mostly the same theme of the season. Um, the Nets game, I guess, was a little bit of a, you know, saving grace, so to speak. Um, they did play kind of well. KD did go out, but he wasn't really huge, massive impact prior to going out. So um, I don't know. It's it's cause for concern, but we're halfway through the year, so I don't know if it's cause for concern anymore. It just feels like this is what the team is, and they are running out of games to give up like that Lakers game. Especially when you consider they have one of, if not the hardest schedule remaining in the NBA. Haven't played a game against the Bucks yet. Barely played the play the Celtics twice. It's or three times, so maybe not as many against the Celtics, but haven't played the Sixers. Like they, there are a lot of good teams above them that they are going to have to see considerably uh, before we we even try to think about postseason or play-in game for that matter because Miami currently sits as the eighth seed but I, I will say if you want to look at I am more of a glass half full kind of guy so having the first half we thought Kyrie was going to hang 50 on us and then held, holding him to like what four or five points in the fourth or in the second half was pretty massive he didn't even get 30 so that was a really really good adjustment uh, whether it be by Spo or just the intensity on the defensive end being able to focus more on Kyrie because KD was out but again it, it's you have to have that because you had everything go your way. You keyed in on their one offensive piece. Both teams just went ice cold on offense, which is a theme, maybe not uh, too consistent with Brooklyn, but a theme very consistent with Miami. So Harry, what about you? Any of those games stuck out to you as ones that are just really just like a nail in your side? Um, I think the Nets game was actually pretty frustrating. Uh, You know, they had a pretty good first half. I think they were down by two at halftime. Um, And then they just, Again, they kind of couldn't score in the second half. And I think even digging into the stats a little bit, uh, the half-court offense was pretty pretty bad the entire game, even though the first half was um, a little bit better from a scoring perspective. And kind of just piggybacking off of what Alex was saying, like this is the squad, guys. I know people have wanted to say, wait till they're healthy or you know, deep, wait till Depot's back, like, Depot's here. He's been playing fine. There, I have really, really no complaints about the way Depot's been playing. Um, they're never going to be healthy. Uh, this is a team that either um, is a bit older, and uh, it seems like every minor scrape and bruise, uh, they're going to take a game off. Um, I could kind of understand it if you were really confident about their play in the postseason, but I don't know how you're going, how you feel that way after last year. And if that's the case, um, I we talked about it, guys. If this is a if this is a team that's below that fifth seed, I don't understand how anyone thinks they're winning a first round series. And if they're a playing team, um, you can't. There's no guarantee that um, a team wouldn't give them their best effort on a given night with the way this team is shot this year. Um, so, you know, I understand that they want to be. You know, some of these injuries, maybe I understand giving Bam and Tyler a game off because uh, they're fresh off these injuries, regardless of um, how bad they are. But this is not a great team. The Nets game was super frustrating. That's one they should have had. Um, obviously, it was unintentional, but Jimmy and ended up knocking KDA for what's probably a month now, falling into him on that play. Um, that's one you got to have. Uh, you talked about it a few seconds ago, LJ, like, if they get a rebound, the game's over there. You know, um, O'Neal got that rebound with three seconds left and put it back up. So you get the ball, you get fouled. Uh, game's over. You got a nice victory against uh, the hottest team in the NBA. I think they've won like 18 out of 20 now or something insane. 
And, um, you know, at least you're feeling better about them rising up for the competition. But the way they continue to play down um, to teams is kind of appalling. You'd think they'd have more pride. I think all of us in whatever our occupations do, we have pride in our work. We're not going to, um, you know, play down because we think the competition is not as good. We're going to do the best we can. And I, I just feel like this team is tired of each other. And, um, you know, if the front office isn't going to make moves, then um, they really need to think about what it means to maybe take a year off. I know we talk about this. We say, oh, the, the Heat aren't going to do that. But, but guys, let me give you a hypothetical situation we can talk about a little later when we talk about trades and stuff. If the Heat end up losing in the first, first round, like a lot of us expect, expect them to, and a team like the Raptors end up selling a lot of their team off, and finish with like a top 10 pick who had the better season. Like, do you think the heat had the better season because they got to the postseason and lost or the Raptors who got some, you know, got some guys back, got some assets back for their guys and um, are able to put another piece around Scotty Barnes. Is that kind of, would you have viewed that as a better season, right? Both, both teams lost and neither of them won. Um, I think like, that's what I'm not really understanding. I, I get the team and I know they want to compete because Jimmy's shown that he's one of the best uh, players in the postseason when we get there. But I'm just confused how you sit there and say, oh, yeah, this is it. Like, we got to put all our chips in now with the way that Kyle's been playing, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, here's had a decent year, but he, for me, he's all, he's always, it's always a lower leg injury with Hero, whether um, it's his fault or it's a wet spot on the floor. And while Bam is the best player we have, uh, and I would definitely do what I whatever I could to build around him, you know, I'm just not sure if he's ready to take that postseason offensive leap yet. So you have a lot more questions than answers. And nothing about this team makes me feel great. So I'm sure you guys are in the same spot, but that's just how I'm not I don't get when people watch these games and I'm like, oh yeah, these are the good things we can take from it. Like it's the same shit every night and you know, basically a 500 team that's just trying to survive and hope they can do something in the postseason, but none of us really see it happening. I, I think that's a good point. And you bring up a, a very good question too, is like, no, I'm not going to get into it too much now, because again, like you said, later on the show, we will dive a little bit deeper into trades and hypotheticals, but yeah, no, I, I there are people that, die, that like to um, delve into uh, moral victories and use that in their back pocket, but I'm not one of them. I think if you're the Raptors too, you're building better for the future then depending on what you get for additional pieces. Again, this is all very hypothetical because who knows what they would get for a Gary Trent Jr., what they would get for a Scotty Barnes if they would even imagine on selling him off just to get a top 10 pick to get someone with a similar impact as him for a rebuild. I think that's probably a guy you keep too. But again, I don't know what uh, what the Raptors would even try to do. But I am in the boat that if you have a better pick you're more set for the future. You're not just stuck in mediocrity in no man's land, being a play-in team, losing in the first round. It's not doing anything for me. And I know it's not doing anything for Jimmy. And that's literally the main reason. That is the, the catalyst on why you make moves. But again, like we said, in a couple of days, you might start hearing some of those uh, those moves heating up. But George, what about you? Anything you're taking away from these last uh, three games, not including the Thunder game that is currently ongoing? What do you want me to say? It's the same stuff week in, week out. Same problems. It's It's been covered very, very comprehensively and very well done by Mr. Alex Shulman and Hot Take Harry. And you too, LJ. I, I'm, I'm just here to harp on the same instrument as everyone else. This team has deep-rooted issues. And by staying consistent to those issues, you earn, not only develop them, and that's, uh, that's going to make a lot of people out there happy with all the internal development they've uh, expected to see. These problems have internally developed, and now you're looking down the barrel of an injury-ridden season. Um, that's going to end us with probably the seventh seed and or maybe even the eighth, and it's going to push in the playoffs, play in, and we're going to have a little bit of fun watching that, and then we're going to get upset that we end up with the 18th pick. You know, it, or, you know it's, it's going to be around there. So I don't know. I, I the 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 Lakers game to me really jumped out to me as one of the most pathetic games I've seen in a long time. Watching Dennis Schroeder absolutely rip us apart, and um, no, that just completely sucked. 
It really did. Just to watch that game and just to see that I, I keep sitting there saying, we're actually going to lose this game. Like We're actually going to lose it. And we do. And it's sad. And um, Harry brought up a good point as well. This team will never be healthy. It is the second oldest average age of any roster in the NBA, only beaten by the Bucks, who have already seen their own fair share of injury problems, but they have a Giannis, and we don't. And and uh, he's been doing a lot of work for them. You know, at the end of the day, if he's healthy, that's their best player. It's not like if we had a Jimmy get injured or if we had a Bam get injured. Um, well, they have, and they, they, they did get injured. But uh, I don't know. I, I just sit here and say, these problems aren't a one-season fix sort of thing. Um, I'd like to see them really take a broader look at this roster and see where the um, the true problems lie in uh, in Australian sports. Whenever a team is um, in this rut, they'll do something called an external um, external review, where people will come in a panel, people will come in and really have a deep look at the entire organization, and the, then you know, um, you know, and the players, the personnel, and everything like that. I'm not saying they need to do that; they shouldn't do that at all. But at the same time, it's like it's worth having a look at the bigger picture because. This level of mediocrity for for a while, um, or which it's not even mediocrity. At the end of the day, we did make the finals, we did make the Eastern Conference Finals, um, but it's just not been there. We've just not hit that mark of actually doing an NBA champ, you know, uh, achieving an NBA championship. Um, and it's something that we all want, we all really want that badly. It's just the, what's the quickest way to get there? Is it to build around this core, or is it about you know hitting the rebuild button a little bit and actually looking towards your options? That's the big question. That's the question everyone wants answered. That's the question that the you know the front office is contemplating as well. Um, I don't know if 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 I'm looking at their current options as well. I won't dive into it too much because obviously the trade uh, segments about to come up as well. You know, if you look at play, teams like Toronto, teams like Chicago, like looking at where they're going to be, what they're going to do as well, it's going to be very interesting to see where they compare to the Heat. You know, if um. I doubt that the Raptors would move for Scotty Barnes after they would, they refused to do it for um for for Kevin Durant in the offseason at the end of the day. Statistically, three years of Durant is probably better than 95% of the entire draft class's entire career put together, so they're not going to move him. But players like Siakam could become available. OG Adenobis, a big, a big name that's already been rumored. Um it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. I, I I'm very intensely devoted to this team and i'm just very excited to see which direction they choose and whatever they do hopefully it's the right one hopefully it leads to a championship in the shortest amount of time alex you wanted to get in on harry's hypothetical yeah i just wanted to circle back um you know to harry's point that he made on like what like do we do you really want that first round exit in five six games like congratulations now you have you know, just outside the lottery pick um, versus the Raptors, who if they sold pieces off and maybe got a little bit better, maybe they jump a little bit in the draft. Maybe they can get squeeze into the top four and get lucky with a, you know, a ping pong ball falling their way or something. Or maybe, you know, this is an incredibly deep draft class. So like even getting as low as the eighth or, or seventh best odds at number one pick is still going to land you someone of quality that is going to help them turn around in a rebuild if they keep guys like Siakam going forward. Um, and it's going to open up a variety of options. You know, uh, Pat Riley is famous for, for his, uh, there's winning and then there's misery quote. And like, we need to be honest with ourselves. This team, barring a superstar acquisition in the next month, which is not going to happen, is not going to win the NBA title. You're, go you're going to need immense luck between three, four, or more teams, either all shitting the bed or getting hurt or some combination of them, while you maintain a pinnacle of health and a pinnacle of elite play, which you haven't shown all year. So realistically, you're looking at, at best, a second round exit, and you're ruining your chances at potentially doing a quicker rebuild, which is going to solidify, you know, potential future championships. Now we're not, we're not dumb. The team's not going to sell off and, and do a big tank job. Um, but I think personally, you know, putting yourself in a position to get in that 10th ish spot, maybe seven to, to 11, let's just say hypothetically, it really does alter the timeline for multiple years 
and 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 it's not too late to do that if they want to do that option you know guys are banged up you can start sitting jimmy bam tyler on various nights um you can do like a pseudo tank trade off some of the the assets that are going to possibly get you something back lowry might have some interest from other teams we'll talk about that a little bit later but you know i just don't think uh going all in on this season is the move and it really realistically is that's going to be the case but i just i just hope other people that listen to this know that that's probably not the best thing to do and you know we're not front office executives by any means but we follow the game with passion we know what we see on the court we know how these things work i think it's really well said too that the pseudo tank is probably the best thing to do because we don't know Miami's never going to blow it up and tank. They're not, that's just not the way that they do business in the front office. And that's fine. It has led to multiple championships in all of our lifetimes. So I'm not going to completely crucify them for that decision. But again, ever since the NBA changed their, uh, their draft lottery process too to better fit kind of like percentage wise, the way the NHL does it too. You've seen way more teams jump up from like a double digit or a high single digit all the way up to a top three. It's not, as insane to think about jumping up from a nine or a seven or a six all the way up to the top three anymore like it was 10 years ago so if you are able to sit there and because tyler's hurt bam's hurt we don't know how serious bam's hand is they said the x-rays were clean so maybe he'll be back soon too but it's like the miles on jimmy aren't getting any any lighter it it wouldn't be a bad idea we've talked about it before on the podcast i'm not going to bore our listeners with it Again, but it would be a good way, you know, this is the year if you want to get a top 10 pick and you have your own first round pick, it would probably be a good idea. But getting back on track now, next segment though, George touched on it too. One thing that continues to plague the team, it's rebounding and the Royce O'Neal game winner is what pushed me over the edge. So I want to have a deeper discussion about this team and their rebounding woes because where should we look really to fix this problem? Again, we don't like to just bring up questions and not offer solutions to our listeners too. So it's not a secret Miami needs a shakeup because otherwise they're just going to hover around 500 for the rest of the season without a move, creep in between seeds seven to 10 and then wipe your hands clean. That's this season. Um, Miami's fourth worst in the league as a rebounding team, fourth worst. Uh, They're averaging just over 40 a game. For perspective, the first place team is the Milwaukee Bucks who average nine more rebounds. Nine. That's nine more possessions that you get from a game. We're at 40. Uh, The remedy to rebounding and also fixing the spacing issue to remedy those things. Let's go around the horn. I just want to play. I just want you guys to name a player that you think is obtainable that fits the bill for Miami that can kind of fix these things for them. For, For you guys to have a little more time to think about it, I'll go first. I'll start with someone that I've said before multiple times on the show, and that's Miles Turner. The dude's averaging 17 points, eight rebounds a game, both of which are career highs for him, as well as a career high field goal percentage, 55%. I know a 55 on Miami's roster who should probably be shooting a better percent, but we're not going to go there. I'm not going to get Harry to go off on a tangent about our number 55. But let's hear from you guys. Before we hear from you guys, I'm sorry. The only thing that worries me about the Miles Turner idea is that he's played so well, like I've just said, that I think he's probably played himself out of their realistic range. I mean, they can still have him if they really want to offer, like I think two first-round picks would might get that done. But I, I, I don't see Miami really being able or wanting to offer that. But they do have the ability to. So, Alex, let's start with you. What, what are you looking at here to kind of fix the rebounding issue and then maybe also fix a shooting issue at the same time? Yeah, I mean – I don't want to steal from from any of the other guys here, so I'll just stick with one and hope that they pick the other guy that I'm thinking of. And if not, maybe we can cycle back for a quick two minute thing on that. But I'll go with um I'll go with uh, Nerlens Noel in Detroit. He's not getting really any run at all on that roster. Um, he is a career, I believe, ten rebounds per thirty six. So he can definitely um you know get on the glass when he's playing the minutes. I, I just feel like he he's probably dirt cheap to acquire at this point. It shouldn't really take much of anything to get him. And if he's not playing on Detroit and we have a clear need for a big, you know, he'll get 20 minutes here, I would assume. Um, and, and if he if he can get me seven or eight rebounds in 20 minutes, then he's doing his job. He's not really going to be much of a shooter, but he would instantly address that rebounding issue. Um, he can play defense a little well. Obviously, there's the injury concerns, uh, but that you know that would be a good Band-Aid fix um, on a very, very cheap acquisition to get a guy that can get on the glass. Also, too, because minutes have opened up, because how we opened up the show, Dwayne's gone. 
more minutes available for a person that I do think is target numero uno, not Nerlens Noel specifically, but his position is now probably target numero uno because I don't think they're very comfortable giving Orlando Robinson everything uh, as a two-way guy, a, a rookie two-way guy at that too, even though I think they, they might have fully, what do you call it, done his contract. Harry, do you know that? Have they done that to Orlando? Is he still two-way or did they already guarantee it? Um, he is still two-way. My thought is that whenever they make a deal to either free up uh, – it would be to free up some cash because now with the time of the season, um, it, it would be hard to sign him without going to the tax. So they have two options. They could basically do something with that they've done for many years. They could sign him on the last day of the season, which – Obviously, they'd only be paying him an NBA contract for that one day, and then they would usually do a three-year deal, which I'm guessing they'll do with him. It's a timing thing. So if they save money in a trade, which I think they will do, they'll sign him earlier. He'll have a roster spot, and they could sign someone else to a two-way. For now, you know he he's just on a two-way and does not have an NBA roster spot. Thank you for that. I was thinking of uh, Haywood Locksmith, who they recently guaranteed to, which is that's what they're doing. That's what they want to do. So, George, you want to hop in? Yeah, no, I, I, I wanted to have a look as a, as a fan of a team who's had, you know, a lot of different roster changes in the, in the sense of uh, of bringing different lineups out there. I, I really want to avoid any Orlando Robinson and Bam pairing at the start of a game. I really want to avoid that. I've seen some chatter saying that they could, um, they could really, you know, uh, have an impact on the court at the same time. I want to avoid that completely. I, I'm looking someone who can offer the three ball as much as you know uh, as possible in that position, as well as the rebounding. So I'm I'm not going to be there saying that you know a player like Noel Wells is probably the best player at the situation. I still think that if you got yourself a Miles Turner, that'd just be a, a whole lot of better scenario. But it's going to cost you a whole whole lot more than Noel's Noel would in every situation. So um, I'm interested to see who they go for as well. I know. The uh, the Jaden McDaniel's talk is uh, is off the table now because he's going to get shipped to wherever he's going to go. I think it was uh, Phoenix for Jay Crowder. So that's two. Uh, unless you know Jay Crowder gets um gets bought out, that's two targets that have been uh, instantly taken off the board uh, before you know before it's even started. But look, I feel like Miles Turner's priority. Um, if we can get him for even uh, one first round pick and and another player as well. That'd be a good deal in my books, but anything over one first round pick, I'm not doing that. I don't think it's um it's good business at that point. But uh, even a player like uh, PJ Washington from the Hornets as well, shown a lot of upside, showed a lot of improvement this year. Uh, be really impressed with him when he brings on both sides of the floor. I feel like he just needs direction from an organization that actually knows what they're doing. So I I don't think that's gonna he's gonna find that in Charlotte. So finding that in in Miami might be uh, the move for him. Even a Carl Kuzma as well. Um, look, they're, they're, I know the Wizards are hoping to sell him as high as possible now after the season he's been putting together. But if you're going to strike a deal with anyone, I feel like Kuzma, or PJ Washington, or Miles Turner, those are the three players that um, really intrigue me uh, coming, you know, being an addition on this Heat team. Well said, too. And you brought up a good point, too, with Jay Crowder. Um, I probably believe that he's, he might get shipped for Jay McDaniel, too, because I think he's young and fits a, a pretty good need for Phoenix as well. But then that would leave, yeah, the report that came out a couple of days ago too is Miami would only be interested in Jay Crowder in the event that it was a buyout, and then I, I'm pretty certain he would go ring chasing and get out of Charlotte. So I don't know if you necessarily find that ring in Miami this year, but I think that's more along the lines of something you can expect Jay Crowder to do if you come to our podcast for all your Jay Crowder news. Harry, how about you? What are you thinking about for a player that could kind of come slide in and, and grab some boards for the old Miami Heat? So the two guys that I liked, and I, I thought George was going to mention it, but I was going to let him go first because I had two thinking if he takes one, I'll take the other one. The two guys I like are um, Mo Bamba from Orlando. He was a guy that the Heat were interested in over the summer. I simply think he went back to Orlando because they had his bird rights, and that was the team that could offer him the most money. He has a very reasonable contract, and it is a team option for next year. So it's essentially a one-year deal. Um you know, basically looking at his contract, you could do a sim- if you can get other wings. I wouldn't be that mad if they did like a Deadman Caleb move. If you get other wings, you can't give up Caleb where we are right now. I would do it for the height. I like Mobamba as a fit going forward, 
and you got to give up stuff to get stuff. That's how the NBA works. So that would work salary wise. If they were, if they were very, very stupid and you could do Duncan and uh, maybe they'd take a few second round picks and you can get Mo Bamba and another contract. I mean, that's the most ideal. I just don't know if that's possible. The other guy who's probably going to be cheap, even though he keeps playing very well. So I'm a little nervous about that is, um, the Plumley on the Hornets. I think that's Mason Plumley. Um, he's been great this year. He's averaging 9.6 rebounds per game. He also started shooting this really odd one-handed shot that's working incredibly for him. Um, so you can make fun of these guys all you want. Like if the ball goes in, I don't give a shit. Like it's going in. He looks good. He looks confident. I would guess that Charlotte's going to try to get something for him. Um, you know, I'm not sure what that is or what his, his value is as an expiring contract that, you know, he's probably trying to get paid, um, one more time. I have no idea how old he is. All the plum is me. I, 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 I think he's the oldest one, but he's probably not that old. They've just been so long that you feel like they're older. Um, I'm actually going to look now cause I'm just thinking of like, how old is this dude? I want to guess, but. Let's see. Mason Plumley is 32. Okay, so he's a little bit older than I thought. But again, um, he's seven feet tall. He's kind of your perfect backup center. You're not expecting um, a ton from him, but he can come in and give you some decent minutes. And you just need someone who can come in when Bam sits and you don't just completely die out there. And that's really what's happened with Deadman. I do. I have liked the Orlando Robbins. I just don't want to trust him in the post. I don't think anyone should have to. So Mo Bamba, Miles Plumley, I liked Nerlens Noel that Alex mentioned. Um, those kind of guys that are on these expiring deals where we're on a bad team where you know they'd like to get something. Those are the guys they should look for, and that's what they should be looking for. Going into this trade season should be a backup big, some more 3 and D wings, and if they can get rid of Kyle Lowry for um, a bag of Doritos, they should do it. Uh, I eat the Doritos during the exchange, but they should still go about doing that because that would perfect for what this team needs, just not Kyle Lowry. What they really need is the semi-pro trade. Remember when what's-his-name and semi-pro got traded for the washing machine? That's basically what we need is a semi-pro trade. So somebody get Will Ferrell on the line. All the names you said, though, minus Mason Plumley. and the only reason I said that about Mason Plumley is because as someone who lives in Charlotte, I have seen games of him in person, and it is a hard watch, as always. It is very difficult to watch him play basketball consistently. So just as someone I know from, from like a third-person view, you know, from an outside perspective, yes, he actually does fit the bill pretty well in like spot minutes. He's no worse than Dwayne Dedman. He is significantly better than Dwayne Dedman. So, yes, he would, he would kind of be a cheap fix as well. Uh, but everyone else, all those other names, you know, Miles Turner, Nerlens Noel, um, PJ Washington, all those other guys, it's like, or and Mobamba specifically too, because there was a lot of clatter about him in the offseason too. All those names you heard in the offseason of names that might be, you know, possible remedies for Miami, and they just didn't happen to work out. And Miami does have a history of, you know, when they have an interest in a guy, if they don't get him that year, they circle back eventually. And that might be something that you're seeing come trade deadline. But I love hearing everyone's suggestions on such a simple issue that Miami has ignored. And the Heat, sometimes they overcomplicate the basics. But something that never has to be complicated is insurance with Simple Health Advisors. Primary sponsor of the basement, Simple Health Advisors. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated. You can email them or give them a call today and tell them that the basement sent you. Email our boy, Poe at simplehealthadvisors.com or give them a little ring at 321 321- Three four five seven seven three eight. Now, as we work more towards the actual trade segment, Alex, I'm going to give you the floor. Introduce us to some more of the trades that we didn't really get to get to last week because we just kind of ran over on time. What's some of the names that are that are shocking you here on some of the trades you've cooked up? Yeah, so I want to just start very, very quickly. 30-second thing. I, I want everyone that listens to this podcast to take – 10 seconds out of your day and absolutely laugh at the uh, report that came out from the Atlanta Hawks camp today that they were trying to uh, trade John Collins for the same price that Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell were acquired for. So, you know, 
Go, go into the bathroom if you're at work, uh, go into your car. If you're already in your car, feel free to let out a nice hearty laugh at that uh, pre premise being presented uh, to any of the 29 other GMs in the league that John Collins is worth five first round picks or, or something of anything close to that value. Um, but let's actually move on to what we have here. So uh, the first big one, um, I'm sure a lot of Heat fans are seeing it around on Twitter. It's, it's making the rounds on Heat Twitter quite a bit. Um, and it is the uh, acquisition of one D'Angelo Russell. Um, we seemingly talk about this nearly every day uh, in one of the chats, um, you know, here at the basement or as uh, Heat Twitter makes the rounds. We're, we're talking about D'Angelo Russell very frequently. So um, I wanted to one up that a little bit. I wanted to try to get Nas Reed in that deal as well. I think it could fit, um, you know, the, the needs that we need at the center position as well as uh, the obvious needs that we have at point guard. Uh, the, the clear trade candidate here is Kyle Lowry, of course. That's how you would match the salary uh, going or coming back in from D'Angelo Russell. Um, and, and the Timberwolves are very, very little leverage here. They, they are in a state of shambles beyond us. They traded away their entire um, chest of first-round picks to get Rudy Gobert, and I believe they are five games under 500, if I'm not mistaken. It might be a little bit worse. It might be a little bit better. Uh, but they, they don't have much leverage here, and they are in severe need of a leadership-type role, which Lowry can provide. Maybe Lowry just needs a change of scenery as well, where he can operate in a different environment than what we're providing him as well. Um, and I threw in uh, a 2029 first-round pick, lottery-protected. Uh, if it doesn't vest in 2029, it would turn into two seconds then uh, in 2030 um, to maybe go as a sweetener for the Timberwolves. If we have to lower those protections a bit to get the deal done, I would consider it. Um, doesn't feel like we're giving up too, too much then. Um, but yeah, uh, what do you guys think about this first one? I like that one specifically. I think if you're looking at the biggest splash play Miami can feasibly make this trade deadline, it's probably D'Lo. Uh, my only worry is you might not be giving up enough. It depends on how desperate Minnesota is. And in the next month, how much deeper they sink. I think that is a huge thing to keep an eye on. If they get hot at all, you're not, you're, that probably doesn't get it done even if you lower the restrictions on the pick. That will be my only negative is I don't know if we're giving up enough, but that answer will literally resolve itself depending on where they sit in about a month's time. Um, if, if a team is interested in Kyle Lowry, you cannot let them think about it. You, you cannot allow them to watch any more of his games. I don't even think you should ask more. Uh, and listen, I, I like to negotiate. I had a very good mediation today at work. I think that's good to share when you do things well. Um, I think if they say we will give you this for Kyle Lowry and this player is on a one to two year deal and he has working and he's not 35, um, I'm doing it. I'm not thinking twice about it, asking for more. I'm not seeing who else I can get back. Um, if they're like, we will, I'm doing it. It's not even a thought process. So I have my own issues, obviously, with D'Angelo Russell. I don't know how high he really can raise the ceiling of a team. He has a lot of his own issues defensively. Uh, but th but that's a guy who can score, and that's a guy who's not Kyle Lowry. I think that's a very important distinction. We have to remember this. It's not. He's just not Kyle, and I think that's a huge boon um, to this team. I also think I know people are nervous because you know he definitely acquired Kyle because of the relationship that he has with Jimmy. I think putting the pressure on Jimmy is actually the perfect move for the front office. Um, I think you need to be like, are you like you just you have a massive extension coming up? You're going to be paid a lot of money. You're playing 55 games a year. We know what you can do in the postseason, but like, is this where you want to be? Do you want to stay? And you ask him that question this summer. And if he doesn't want it, you you th you figure it out. And if the pressure of Kyle not being here makes that maybe makes him rethink Miami, that is okay. Because while I understand that trading your doesn't necessarily get you closer to I understand that it doesn't get you closer to title contention. I think it allows them to to take a step back kind of look at it from a macro level and be like, where are we? What do we want? If Jimmy doesn't want to be here, we're going to obviously honor his wishes and see what you can get. There would, there would be teams that would give up a lot for Jimmy Butler uh, teams that are closer. 
And I think those things all factor in. So, yeah, if Kyle wants Kyle, I don't really understand why. But, yes, please and thank you and make it a quick phone call. Don't let them don't let them think too much. If you hear them trying to, oh, you can we do that? Don't, no, 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 don't even, like, you're good. You said you wanted him. Send it in. Call up the league office. Let's get this one done. I agree too. No, I think if as long as Kyle Lowry isn't on your team anymore, you've won the trade. And I think it's as simple as that. I do think the bigger picture, though, regardless of any of these trades actually happen this season, something that's just been biting at me is like this this offseason is make or break it. Like this is it for Jimmy on his time here and where he can feasibly ask out this offseason if they don't supply him with anything. Because what do we see with Dwayne Wade? The way this this franchise valued Dwayne Wade, the same way that they say they value Jimmy, is two years or not two years, two separate years. They went out and added Hall of Fame talent to Dwayne Wade to help him get a ring. They saw what Dwayne could do against the Pistons. They went out and broke heaven and earth to get Shaq. They then they let Dwayne Wade kind of mollow a little bit with Michael Beasley and. No disrespect. This isn't a stray. I love Mario Chalmers, but Mario Chalmers was like the second or third best player on those teams. Rookie Mario Chalmers. Number six, Mario Chalmers. What did what did front office do? They said, Dwayne's in his prime. He's starting to come out of it. Let's make another move. Let's get another superstar. Then they got another number six, who we all know. Then they got Chris Bosch, who's another Hall of Famer. I want to see the front office do something to help Jimmy Butler because Jimmy Butler has poured his heart and sweat, blood, into this team in the playoffs year after year. Milwaukee series from COVID year excluded. I don't count that because Bryn Forbes allegations. We don't talk about it. But it, Harry, you wanted to get in real quick? I, yeah, I just wanted to say you brought – I think the Dwayne Wade thing is such a miscalculation that continues to have issues for this Heat team on, uh, twofold, right? The way I would understood it is they were essentially trying to – they wanted to have enough money to sign Wade, sign Whiteside, and get into the room with Kevin Durant and have enough money for him. They were essentially asking Wade – to take an incredibly low salary one year, and then they were going to max him up the next year. His two-year deal would have been worth the exact same thing as what he took with Chicago. But he obviously was tired of taking discounts. He was tired of being the, the second fiddle, the third fiddle. He wanted to be, even at his age, he, they, he, wanted, he wanted the Kobe treatment. He wanted to be told, this is your team. You've done so much for us. We will do whatever you want. Um, but, but we would also like to get talent to try to win more, one more time. And I just think, they got lost in translation and you know they had issues with each other. And while they've while Wade and the organization have obviously buried the hatch and we and it was a very cool day trading for Wade, trading back for Wade. Um, I just feel like we signed so many guys who would have never signed because of letting Wade walk. Like we almost feel like we have to be loyal now to guys that don't deserve that loyalty and don't deserve these contracts. Um, and so just because we're around and we're watching these guys and we're building with them culture and this and that um we don't need to sign any of these guys and we shouldn't sign any of these guys let's we will find more undrafted free agents we do it all the time every year we find a new guy this year i know it's not um you know it's obviously not his favorite but like orlando robinson looks like a decent uh a decent guy who's going to get signed to a, to a to a i deal. just like hating on him because it's it's part of my narrative i have to it's, i have to it's do fine. it it's fine so and we're going to keep doing it. And after Max, we're going to find another shooter waiting for us. So, but that, that's just my thought process, right? Like, let's stop pretending that these guys don't grow on trees when they do. And let's stop making these mistakes. That's really what I want to happen over the next two years. I, I'm not expecting a ton this year to fix everything, but over the next two years, fix it, you know, and figure it out. That's all I want. Let's see the next one, Alex. Well, what else you got cooking up? Yeah, I just wanted to piggyback on on Harry's point on the D Wade thing over you know overpaying the roster guys, and and this is probably something maybe we can get into on the next pod. But one of the discussions I brought up uh, privately amongst our our crew here was what was worse for the franchise: the thirty and eleven second half season or the uh, bubble run? And uh, maybe we'll get into that next time. Let's go to the next trade. Um, we actually talked about this. Uh, we talked about this uh, team yesterday on our trade show. Um, you know, go check that out over on YouTube. Uh, check the Basement Sports Network out. We did a trade show for about a, a, an hour and a half yesterday, roughly. Uh, me, Harry, and uh, Adam Barai. Um, and one of the players we talked about was OG. OG is a as a prize of Adam Barai. He wants to acquire him at pretty much all costs, uh, barring you know Bam or Jimmy at this point. Um, 
but I want to go to the Raptors and kind of exclude OG here. Um, I'm looking at a couple guys uh, that can be impact guys for the team, and then you can consider whether or not you want to extend them. They're on shorter term deals, um, and, and, and it feels like you know they could decide what they want to do going forward. It, it is a little bit of a risk, but um, I have the Heat getting uh, Fred Van Vliet. Gary Trent Jr. and uh, Otto Porter, who was injured today, I think out for the rest of the year. He has a player option for next year, so um, he's a very cheap contract that they can, you know, sort of just take that off the Raptors' hands, allow them to clear up a little extra space. Um, and then we would obviously, of course, get the Kyle Lowry reunion in uh, Raptorland. Uh, I have a feeling we're going to get very similar answers uh, re- regarding Kyle Lowry not being on the roster again. Um, and and Harry's going to love this one because they would also be getting Duncan Robinson uh, in that deal as well. Um, and then here's where I sort of I, I sort of can't figure out if the Raptors say yes to the deal because we know that Fred Van Vliet um, is running into extension problem talks over in the Raptors camp. Now, I included Jovic uh, as the the sweetener here um, for the Raptors, and I was willing to go one first-round pick, but I do think it might take two to get the deal done. Um, what do you guys think about, you know, a Lowry, Duncan, and Jovic plus one pick, and then would you go to that second pick? Where do you fall on, uh, you know, adding in that second pick, and, and would you go, uh, you know, a little bit beyond that even if needed? I would give up every available pick we know for OG. Uh, I think he's the perfect fit next to Bam. And so when I say that, and we talked about it, like. We might've lost Harry on that one right before he got to the juicy part. Another fantastic tickling tantalizing uh, cliffhanger right there. But no, I guess I'll say my piece. I mean, I, I really did like, I like the move obviously. And Harry's back by the way, I'll let Harry jump in here in a second, but I like it again. OG, I know why Adam likes OG, and I like OG too, but he wasn't in the trade. Fred Van Vliet solves the point guard problems, being able to distribute. Gary Trent solves the shooting problems. I'm fine. I mean, again, like you said also, like we said prior on the previous trade, we win because Kyle Lowry's not on the team. We win again because Duncan Robinson's not on the team. We do lose a little bit by using Jovic, but you have to give up promising pieces to get something back, like Harry said, too. So I, I, I think that you're filling more holes than you're emptying by doing that trade. Sure, you don't really fix the rebounding that much because I don't trust Otto Porter. He is good. He was good in Golden State. Like, I mean, everyone's good in Golden State, Sands, this year. So it's like, it, it is what it is. You do have to give up something to get something. I love it, though. Um, I'm okay with giving up the two first-round picks as well just because you are really filling holes with younger players and not no longer banking on temporary band-aids you're actually kind of solving something for the time being not just for the time being but for the future and you you did touch on as well a little hesitation with the the fred van vliet uh contract extension i don't know what he would want it would depend on what he even looked like here if he fit the system too but that does get a little messy because then you really don't have much to be able to go fill a front court position next to bam but these are risks that you have to take we've seen fred van vliet show up in the playoffs too you know what you're getting for him in crunch time as well the dude makes shots. He makes tough three-point shots. Gary Trent Jr. does the same exact thing. Not so much, haven't really seen it from him in the playoffs, but in regular season two against the Miami Heat, he makes big shots. He's kicked us in the butt a couple times too. So I like the move. Um, if you can't get OG, I think that's probably the second best option from the Raptors to get. And if they are doing that, then they really are looking to blow it up. And you you do have the ace in the hole being Kyle Lowry too, to, to really hit the soft spot with them. So I think that is actually very feasible. Harry, what, what do you think now that you're back from getting a little cut off? Did I miss a second trade with Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr.? Yeah, so I was referencing the OG trade that we talked about on the stream yesterday, um, but the trade that I came up here was uh, Otto Porter, Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr. for Kyle, Duncan, Jovic, and either one or two firsts, uh, depending on how far you're willing to go to get it done. Um. Okay, if... My thoughts are like this. If you're getting OG, I really like the move, and I would give up the picks. Um, I think he's a perfect fit. If you're, if it's not for him and it's the other guys, um, I'm not sure how willing I'd be to put picks in that. So here's kind of – and here's where I think about it. If you get, And here's the thing to think about going forward. If you, give up the, if you give up the picks that we have available, we talked about it yesterday, 2023 first, 2029 first, you can always unlock, you can figure out the 2020, you can unlock the 2025 pick to get the 2027. 
You would still have Hero who's eligible. You'd still have these other. That's a kind of my thing with con. You can get other guys that you can then move. That doesn't have to be the end all be all move. And I think that's what people forget a lot is that, you know, this is that's not the end of the movement. That just maybe gives the Heat more flexibility. They've gotten rid of Duncan, who's dead weight. They've gotten rid of Kyle, who hasn't really lived up to his contract. And it just opens it up. That's why, and I think you're probably going to get to it with this next one. That's why there are other moves I like that that even though they don't make the team great this year, it opens up flexibility, um, you know, moving beyond this season, which is kind of what I want to do. All right. Before we hear the last one, or let's hear that last one before we wrap up here. Yeah. Um, and Harry kind of alluded to it. We did talk a lot about this one on the stream yesterday, and I wanted to spend even more time here because I really do um, like this move going forward. And uh, Adam did float some things that, you know, he did get a little uh, knowledge coming in his way. Some whispers starting to form. Um, nothing concrete yet, of course. He will confirm that if he uh, gets something concrete, of course. Um, but it would be a deal of the Heat and the Mavericks. Um, the Heat would be acquiring uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. as the main piece um, and something with uh, Dorian Finney-Smith as well as Reggie Bullock. And uh, the Heat, of course, would be giving up Kyle Lowry to match salary. Um, they would be more than likely giving up Dwayne Dedman in this deal. Again, salary match. And uh, the the sticking point for the Mavs would be something of a Caleb Martin Um of course, you know, that's going to hurt to give up Caleb. He's been playing fantastic. He's on a great deal for us now, but you got to give to get. And uh, this provides, a, as Harry was referencing, a lot of flexibility for the Heat going forward. Um, what do you guys think about that one? For me personally, it, that one's tough because that I see you're saving the, the most difficult one to answer for last because I love, I like it because again, like I said earlier too, the Heat are known for circling back. They always circle back and you know that they've done same thing for the Mavericks too. You, if you've read the tea leaves, you know that they are, for whatever reason, God help Mark Cuban, man. He he likes Kyle Lowry. Whatever, man. Y'all want to take him? We win the trade because we don't have him again. Don't like repeating myself three times, but again, you don't have Kyle Lowry. You came out on top. Uh, Hardaway does pre- provide the shooting, like father like son type beat. Um, Dorian Finney-Smith, as a Florida Gator fan, I love seeing him play defense for the Gators too. He's a good three and D guy. He kind of replaces a little bit of what Caleb Martin has that you would be giving up or yeah, but it's, he, he fills the role of the front court as well. But, and, and because, I mean, he's a bigger body too. He's not like jacked, but he's, he's a tall lengthier guy too, that can kind of play that position next to Bam too. And I, I like the way that he can bring the shooting. Um, what was the last one? The, the, the third player that you mentioned from the Maverick side. Yeah. Last one was Reggie Bullock. He's more of a, more of a filler type of guy. I think he is, an okay shooter, um, not a great defender really, but he, he can play, you know, a three, maybe a small ball four type of deal for you. Um, sort of in the Caleb role, but just mostly worse at everything that Caleb does. Yeah, basically you're, you're really just swapping Dorian for, uh, for Caleb at that point, the way that they're changing out. And then I guess you, what, what would you do from the Miami perspective from the point guard position? You're, you're comfortable letting Gabe kind of run the show at that point then? Yeah, the the thought process would be um, Gabe would run the show with uh, Tyler as sort of that guy that's going to try to operate with the the pick and rolls with Bam, of course. Gabe doesn't need the ball in his hands to be effective, but he can facilitate a little bit. Um, And then you would probably have Jimmy try to run the offense as much as possible. Um, Sneak guys like Vic in there. I think Vic is very underrated as a passer, personally. Um, He has shown that he can distribute the ball well, and he does run the pick and roll well, I think. Um, so you, you sort of just, you're going to, you're going to bandaid fix that for the rest of the year. Um, and I don't really think it's, it's really going to be any worse than what we're, we're working with right now. So, um, you know, gotta, gotta make it work. No, I agree. Harry, what about you? How are you feeling on that one? Um, so I was kind of alluding to it before. I didn't want to steal Alex's thunder. Um, I like, I like anything that clears up this log jam in going into the summer. Um, I know we had also discussed when we got Bertans back. I'm okay with that simply because his contract is than Duncan's going forward. It's a year less and there's a lot less, um, there's a lot less money on there. Um, Finney Smith. I like the heat wanted him last summer before he signed that extension. I know he's a little injured, but I don't think it's a major injury. And um, I like, I like bringing Tim Hardaway jr. Back. That's a cool story. And if, um, if those guys give you anything wonderful, that'd be awesome to kind of rearrange the, uh, the deck chairs on the Titanic and hope it, it does something. And if it doesn't, 
um, no big deal. Uh, you can move these guys next season in a bigger deal or another trade. So that's kind of where I, you, you free up some of this, some of this stuff, and you just kind of hope that um, anything, any of these changes help this uh, basically 500 team. Again, because, yeah, that's basically where they're sitting. So I think that's a good point to wrap it up. Um, I know that I just looked over and I saw that the heater blowing it again against the Thunder. So primetime television, baby. But I, I said regardless of the final score, win or lose the game, you still won the game because that piece of shit Dwayne Dedman is gone. We still win. We just hit the hour mark. We love you guys. Thank you much for tuning in. Spend some favorite, spend some time with your favorite random scrubs. Take care, everyone. Be good people, unlike Dwayne Dedman. Need a stop and a rebound. For you. For three. Oh, my. That was the Random Scrub Heat Podcast.